You know, it's always important to remember that the Christian life is a supernatural life. Oftentimes we just caught up with the routine or, or building our Christian disciplines or our Christian habits, which are important. Um, got a text from um, someone in the church, said they finished their first uh, Bible in a year, 365 days on New Year's Eve, which was fantastic. I don't know if you've ever done that. I've done that. Uh, four, this is four years in a row now through the uh, online, uh, the U version app reading plan, Bible in a Year. <clears throat> That's always cool. There's other reading plans on there. They're all good things to do. Developing our Christian disciplines, praying, reading the Word, um, always good. But it's important that we still remember that the Christian life is not just a, a bunch of disciplines and habits and uh, things that we do. The Christian life is a supernatural life. It's a, it's a connection with a supernatural God who has entered into time and space through Jesus Christ, went back to heaven, sent his Holy Spirit to fill us as believers that we might live a supernatural life. Not just a life like every other person, any other life, but a supernatural life, a life to live beyond the natural realm. We pray because we believe that God intervenes in the natural world to do supernatural things. If he didn't do that, what is the point of praying? It's, praying is not just about communication. Praying and declaring is about creation. The first use of language in the Bible was not for communication. It was for creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so it's important that we understand that we are supernatural beings filled with God's Spirit and that we are able to create, not just biologically, but we're able to create spiritually through our words. Words are the seed of the Spirit. When we use our words, we are creating. And so it's important that we remember that, that we have a a life with a that is connected to a living, dynamic, powerful, supernatural, and personal God. And keeping that relationship intact, strong, is vital for us living a powerful, full, engaged, hope-filled, joy-filled Christian life. It's not just about doing certain things. Um, the Christian life is... is uh, relational more than task driven yes there are tasks to do there are things to do but christianity is more than just a list of do's and don'ts do this do that don't do this don't do that uh that there are uh, parts of that in in the faith and you read that in the word but that's not the essence of christianity that's like saying a marriage is simply just a bunch of do's and don'ts don't leave your clothes on the floor (laughs) don't leave the toilet seat up (laughs) don't do this and that, do mow the lawn, or do do the dishes, do cook the meals, do whatever. Don't do all these, do do all these and you'll have a successful marriage. Now there are do's and don'ts. <laughs> Ryan's going, come on, preach it. <laughs> um, there are do's and don'ts in a marriage, but that's not the essence of a marriage, is it? The essence of a marriage is not just, well, if I do all these things and you do all these things, we'll have a successful marriage. No, marriage is about a relationship. Marriage is about intimacy. Marriage is about all these other things. They're just the periphery. The most important thing is the engagement, the connection, the unity, 
and the relationship. It's exactly the same with God. Yes, there are things we do and things we don't do, but that's the periphery. The most important thing is the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Um, An authentic Christian life involves a vital, authentic relationship between us and God through Jesus. And keeping that relationship alive is vital to really embracing, enjoying, and knowing what it is to be a believer. And as you follow Christ and you go on in your relationship with God, it's very easy to allow, just as in a marriage, that a marriage can can diminish from what it was designed to be simply down to just going through the motions. The Christian life can be exactly the same. We're just going through the motions. We go to church. We might read some scripture. We might even go to a connect group. We might do this and that. We do all these things. But but the the vitality of the relationship has diminished. I want to encourage you in 2017 to keep or to reignite that relationship with Jesus Christ so that you are receiving and living the full life that God promised. That's what it's all about. Authentic, the word authentic means genuine, real, actual, true, reliable, dependable, trustworthy. That's what authentic means. That's what we want in our Christian life. Authentic Christian life. Authentic Christianity. Um, so I want, to, I want to encourage you to do three things. You may still be, who's still on holidays? Put your hand up if you're still on holidays. Put your hand up if you're about to go on holidays. Anybody? <laughs> A couple of people. Um, whether you're on holidays or just in this period of January, the start of the season, I want to encourage you to do three things. If you're on holidays, if you're about to go on holidays, maybe you're not on holidays, but going back to work, but in this start of the, start of the year, three things to keep our, the, the vitality or to reignite that relationship with God. Number one, solitude. Find some time to sit alone with God very easy just to fill our free time, fill our holidays, fill our space with just all things to do, whether it be watching massive numbers of series of TV programs, <laughs> catching up in the holidays, which is good. Uh, we're, we're up. Who's, who's seen the series Suits? Anyone? One? No? Two? Three? Put your hand up if you've seen Suits. Um, what's this, Michael? What's that mean? Seen it? <laughs> well, we're up to see. There's six seasons. We got up to season six, and we're halfway through it. Well, I don't know what happened. We just lost focus. <laughs> That'll bring. <laughs> lost focus. Got to stay focused. Anyway, it's very easy. You know, yes, it's important to have some downtime. It's important to get refreshed, go away, all these things. But it's really important in our relationship with God, that we spend some time with Him, some solitude. Some people call it a quiet time. Um, It means turning off the mobile phone, turning off the TV, closing the door, going for a walk on the beach, going for a walk around the park, and just spending some time with God. Solitude. It's not something we're accustomed to, particularly in our Western world and particularly in cities like Sydney where we're just constantly on the go. But I want to encourage you, even if it's just over January, even if you're back at work or if you're on holidays, but just I've been doing it over the last couple of weeks, 
Nick would say I've been doing over the last couple of years, <laughs> just disappearing. <laughs> um, but I just love just spending some time with God, walking around the park, just getting some alone time um, with him. Jesus did this habitually. If you read through the Gospels, he did it over and over again. Mark one thirty-five. early in the morning, while it was still dark, he arose, went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. Mark 6.45, and immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida uh, while he himself was sending the multitude away. And after bidding them farewell, he departed to the mountain to pray. That's Mark 6.45. Luke 4.42, and when the day came, he departed to a lonely place. All the gospel writers record Jesus getting away from everybody now, even though he was busy and people were trying to find him, he was getting away. Sometimes he had to get up early just to get some alone time for himself, of course, but also to spend some time with God alone. Solitude, it's important. Some of us don't like it. I was talking to some of the, some young adults the other day about just Christian disciplines and stuff, and I was saying, uh, getting up in the morning, I was saying, I want to I encourage you to do something. When you get up in the morning and you turn your phone on, why don't you go to the Bible app first? Not to Facebook, not to, not to Snapchat, not to Instagram, not all your social media feeds. Find out, why don't you, and it was like, it was like, well, really? <laughs> no, go to God first in the morning. Open up your app, maybe read a Bible plan or a reading plan. Then you can go to Instagram, then you can go to Snapchat, then you can go to whatever was like, can you do that? I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> but creating space, creating time, creating relationship for God in our busyness is really, really important. Um, why did he go to the mountain? Why do you have to get away sometimes in solitude? Because God does not shout. God doesn't shout at you. There's lots of voices shouting at you. God doesn't shout. If you want to hear God's voice, you have to remove yourself away from the noises and the other voices to hear his voice. Elijah learned this. You read the story when he was having a bit of a meltdown and he ran away, went to the mountain and got in a quiet place and it's in that place he heard God. He heard the small, still voice of God. If you want to hear from God, you have to withdraw a little bit. All the other voices that are coming need to be quietened so you can hear God's voice. God will never shout over the top of other voices. He'll say, if you want to hear from me, you need to get to a place where you can hear me. I want to encourage you to do that in January. Solitude. Find some time to get away and hear the voice of God. He will speak. He's speaking now. We don't always hear, but God is not a poor communicator. He wants to talk to you. If you find some space, you'll hear his voice for 2017. And you know what? One word from God, one revelatory insight that comes from God's word in a quiet place, a voice, a, a word that comes, it will, it will replace a hundred books that you can read, whether it be about peace or about whatever. You get one voice, one word from God that says everything's a... Well, that's not one word, but <laughs> every thing is okay five words that'll bring peace that 
transcends understanding. When you hear from God, you have confidence to step out in faith and know that all things are going to work together for good. Thomas Merton, who was a Catholic um, uh, monk, Franciscan monk originally, and uh, I read a couple of his books, but he's an interesting guy. But he said this, Not all men and women are called to be hermits, but all need enough silence and solitude in their lives to, be, uh, to enable the deep inner voice of their own true self to be heard at least occasionally, and also the voice of God. For he cannot go on happily for long unless he is in contact with the springs of spiritual life which are hidden in the depths of his soul. God speaks to our spirit. He doesn't speak to our ears. So we've got to be, get into a place where we can hear God's voice. So don't launch into 2017 without taking the time to hear from God, to hear his voice and to get that peace. Number one, solitude. Number two, meditation. Meditation has some, uh, I mean, the word itself has uh, some connotations these days not necessarily Christian connotations, whether it be New Age, whether it be Transcendental Meditation, uh, whether it be uh, all these other forms of meditation. But meditation is actually scriptural. Uh, it simply means just to mull over the Word of God. Um, Christian meditation is rooted in the Bible. Uh, Joshua 1.8 says, God says to meditate on His Word day and night. If you meditate in His Word day and night then everything you do will be successful. What does he mean by meditate? It simply means just to, to think it over, to mull it over, not just to read it. One of the, one of the problems with, read, say, doing a daily reading plan where you're going to read the Bible in a year, and I've noticed that even for myself, that you can, you're reading through going, I've got to get this read today, I've got to get this read today, and sometimes there's big portions of Scripture in the day, and, and you don't actually, if you don't have the habit then of, at another time actually going back and just meditating on a word or a couple of words, then you can not get the depth from the Scriptures. You get a wider view. You get a much wider view because you're reading the Scriptures across the whole panorama of Scripture. So you get a, a perspective about Scripture, which you don't get when you just read individual Scriptures. But if that's all you read, you don't get the depth of understanding. You don't get the revelatory insight that comes when you'll meditate on just one verse or just one word even. Um, Psalm, uh, in the Psalms it says, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. That's Psalm 1 verse 2. Uh, there's over 20 times in the Bible it talks about meditating on Scripture. And that is, again, how God speaks to us, how God communicates, how faith is generated in our hearts. Psalm 19, 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You say, when, when can I find time to do these things? I think early in the morning is always good. I try and get up around 6, although I haven't been the last couple of days. <laughs> Um, just to just to do some of that. Some people are night people. Some people are morning people. Um, whatever works. There's no formula in this. You've got to get up early. I know a lot of people talk about the importance of getting up early, reading. Uh, but some people are just not morning people, or work doesn't permit that. It doesn't really matter. You can do it at night. David talks about meditating through the watches of the night. He also talks about getting up early in the morning to pray. 
there's no formula. It's just finding the time that works with you. It might be in the middle of the day you have some time where you can just sit down and get alone. Meditation, get God's word out, get your app. Just open up one verse and just read it and mull over the words. You'll be amazed at what comes out if you just read one verse. Um, Rick Warren wrote The Purpose Driven Life. He says, in the, he, said in, uh, he says this, No other habit can do more to transform your life and make you more like Jesus than daily meditation on the Scriptures. And the third one, we'll finish with this. Solitude, what was the second one? Meditation. What was the third one? I haven't given <laughs> You're quick, Francois. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Did you know 72 out of the 150 Psalms encourage us to give thanks? 72 of the 150. That's almost 50%. Use the words, give thanks. Psalm 138, verse 1, thank you. This is the message translation. Thank you. Everything in me says thank you. Angels, listen as I sing my thanks. I kneel in worship, facing your holy temple, and say it again. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Most holy is your name. Most holy is your word. The moment I call out, you stepped in. You made my life large with strength. Psalm 92, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. Over and over again so important that we give thanks, that we're not just focused on the things that are not working, focused on the things that aren't happening, focused on the things that are disappointing in life. We must bring our focus and attention to the things that we have that are a blessing, the things that we're grateful for, the people, the things, the possessions, the places to give thanks. Listen to this. Top uh, top American psychologist Bob Emmons, in his book, The Psychology of Gratitude, says that grateful individuals lead happier, more successful lives. Isn't it amazing that the Scripture says to give thanks, and yet psychologists then begin to work out what kind of effect that has. The Bible doesn't always tell you why. It doesn't always tell you why. It just says do it. And we trust that God knows best. And when we do these things, it actually works out. He says this in his book, Psychology of Gratitude. In his research, he discovered those who keep gratitude journals... I don't do that, but probably be a good thing. Those who keep gratitude journals on a weekly basis felt better about their lives as a whole and were more optimistic about upcoming the upcoming week compared to those who recorded uh, the hassles or neutral events in their life, as a study done in 2003. Participants who kept gratitude lists were more likely to have made progress, more progress towards important personal goals. So the achievement of goals... And being grateful for certain things, they're saying there's a correlation there. Uh, In a sample of adults with neuromuscular disease, a 21-day gratitude intervention resulted in greater amounts of high energy, positive moods, greater sense of feeling connected to others, more optimistic ratings of one's life, and better sleep duration and sleep quality uh, relative to uh, a controlled group of people that didn't do that. Isn't that amazing? And children who practice grateful uh, thinking have more positive attitudes towards school and their families. All the research data is there. You can look it up online. An attitude of gratitude, being thankful, being appreciative, and letting people know also about the things that we're appreciative of, the things that we're thankful for. If they've been involved, if they've contributed to that, if they're a part of our life creating that, telling them, 
telling them on a regular basis is really, really important. So I want to encourage you in January, starting off the year, wouldn't this be a great foundation, a good way to just get the year going in a good direction? Spend some time alone. That's scary for some people. But it's really, really powerful. Spend some time meditating on Scripture, just mulling over one verse. Just mull over one verse for 10 minutes. You'll be amazed at what comes out of it. Just rolling over each word, each word of the verse, going back over the words, highlighting one, one word. Oftentimes I'll do that. So there's Psalm 138 here. It says, thank you. Everything in me says thank you. I'll say, thank you. Everything. Thank you. Everything in me. Everything. Everything within me. Every, every part of me. So you just start thinking about, what does that word mean? Everything. It says thank you. Angels listen. When I give my angel, angels are listening. Angels are listening. The kind of insights that come in, the kind of understanding that comes, the kind of blessing that comes out of meditating on Scripture, emphasizing different words, going over them, thinking about what that means. Powerful, powerful thing. And then giving thanks. God, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for all the things I have. I'm believing for the things that I don't have. I still have faith to believe that you are at work and you're fulfilling. You've begun a good work and you'll see it under completion, as it says in Philippians 1.6. But I'm grateful and I'm thankful what I have right now. I know as you do that, as we do this, we get these things. Our foundation for 2017 will be absolutely amazing. And our, our view of 2017, our perspective, our expectations for 2017 will be far greater, higher and faith-filled than they would be if we just wander on through another year and say, whatever happens, happens. That's not Christianity. To say whatever happens, happens, case sera, sera. That's fatalism. Uh, Christianity is not fatalism. Christianity, God says, put your faith in me. Step out. Trust me. Listen to my voice. Be filled with my spirit. You'll live at a level of life that is unachievable and unattainable to the natural man. You're a supernatural being filled with a supernatural God to do supernatural things in this world. And uh, that's what Christianity is about. Why don't we stand up right now? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we are filled with the spirit of almighty God. We have the mind of Christ. We have wisdom from heaven. Help us, Lord. Help us to access it. Help us to live in it. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Spend some time with you alone to hear your voice. Spend some time meditating in your scriptures, in your verses, in your word. You know, there was a guy called Charles Spurgeon, very famous preacher in the 1800s. You may or may not have heard of him, but he was the biggest, had the biggest church in the world at the time. He was the most famous preacher. He was known around the world. He said this, I would rather bathe in a verse of Scripture than wash my hands in several chapters each day. I would rather bathe in a verse of Scripture than just wash my hands in several chapters. 
make a decision in 2017. You're going to read, meditate, get into God's word in a way that you haven't before. Unlock some of its truth, some of its benefits, some of its powerful, transforming agents for our thinking and our mindset and our perspectives on life. And we'll be transformed into 2017 into different people by the power of his Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. Pray for every person here. 2017 is the best year they've ever had, that we draw closer to you, that we can see and understand the length, the depth, the height of the love of God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's